Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a spot in Mark chapter four. That's gonna be a key text for today's session. Now we are starting a new series called High Seas, No Way Around But Through. Now in prep for this, I just went on YouTube and I put into the search bar, ships in storms. And man, <laughs> if you want a stomach turning visual experience, just put into the search bar, ships in storms. Because the reality, if you operate a commercial fishing vessel or you are sea bound or you're at sea as a career, you are going to encounter high seas. You're gonna get caught uh, where they're in a situation where it's there's no way around. There's, it's open ocean and uh, you're in the middle of something and the waves are hitting the bow and your boat is smaller than the seas that you're in. And it's a parable, of course, for life because the reality is that all human beings living on this planet will get caught in the high seas of life in the course of our journey, right? Can I get a witness, right? Some of you are in high seas right now. Um, and the unexpected storms of life, they, they're not in the plan. I mean, we would never script into the plan, uh, wow, huge storm, huge job loss, cancer, divorce, relational fracture. That's not a part of the plan. And it catches us off guard. And as believers, it can have the potential to sink your confidence in God. And here's the thing, for every believer, uh, who knows God, you know, we know that God is good. We know that God can do anything. We know that God is wise. We know that God is loving. We know that God is in control. We know that God has our best interests in mind. We know that he sees exactly what is happening to us. And so we ask, why? Why has God allowed this to enter my life? and many times with such devastating force. And so that combination of knowing who God is, right? And then experiencing high seas where you're caught in a massive storm of life, the juxtaposition of, okay, I know who God is, and yet I'm going through this. Yeah, but I know who God is, and I'm going through this. That can be confusing and isolating, right? It can disorient you, right? Because that's a part of his plan. Ever feel that way? A little confused? Well, guess what? You are in really good company. In fact, some of the greatest men of God in the Bible felt exactly the same way. Confused, isolated, disoriented, where their faith was getting hurled into confusion, right? They felt like they were getting tossed around like a ship caught in a hurricane. Wave after wave comes, hits their life, and it tips these men, as we'll see in the weeks to come, to the edge. So when you're caught in high seas, and again, if you're not caught in high seas right now, Jesus says you will be, You'll be put into an unfixable problem, an unwinnable battle, an unchangeable circumstance where there's no way around it, all right? You're in it and you gotta get through it. If you're caught there, how do you even talk to God 
in the midst of all that? How do you keep the faith? How do you survive the high seas to get safely back into uh, the port? And so in part one, we're just gonna lay a foundation for the series. We're gonna see an experience that Jesus has with the disciples that he allows, right? And then we're gonna start looking at specific men in the Bible and how they negotiate and navigate the high seas situations that they're in where there is no way around but through. So let's lay the foundation. Let's look at an experience that Jesus has with the disciples, and then we'll start unpacking uh, his response to them, their response to him. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, the Bible says, when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. So leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of a wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much so that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, you do not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's unpack that. Not gonna do the deep dive yet because that's for later in today's session. We just want to identify what is going on, all right? So here's the context. Jesus has been preaching all day. The crowds are so big that he has to stand in a boat away from shore so that people can see him and so they got the right uh, visual and the right acoustics so that everybody can hear, right? And then Jesus decides, all right, let's all hop in the boat and we're gonna to go to the other side. Let's look now at some issues that are present, all right? Number one, God's in the boat. Write that down. God's in the boat. The disciples uh, know at this point that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, we read in Mark's Gospels up to this point, Jesus is doing miracles, Jesus is in at full power, okay, at this moment. So God's, in the boat with the disciples. Number two, God allows the storm. He allows the storm. He doesn't insulate his closest followers from what is about to happen. Now, if God's in the boat, God could insulate his closest followers from uh, those waves crashing over the bow and the boat filling up and then getting, but he chooses not to. Third, God's present of course, we know that, but not fixing, right? There's no easy fix, it's just kinda going on, and God's asleep, Jesus is asleep, and it's his humanity on display, all right? What I love about this scene is that you've got Jesus, and he's taken on flesh, God in the flesh, and that flesh is tired, all right? So tired, that 
uh, there can be waves crashing over and he's just exhausted. He can sleep through this storm if the disciples don't wake him up. So that's third, God's present, but he's asleep. He's not fixing, all right? Fourth, God's men are afraid and confused. So when you put the waves, right, which create the fear, right, and then you, you add Jesus sleeping, all right, that adds to fear and confusion, all right? The waves create the fear, Jesus sleeping creates confusion. Big waves, Jesus shouldn't be sleeping. Okay, what's wrong with this picture, all right? It's disorienting, it's confusing, all right? Number five, and this is cool, and we'll unpack this a little bit, God's action brings peace, all right? God's in the boat, they wake Jesus up, and Jesus doesn't merely quiet the wind, the scripture says he rebukes the wind. It's the same terminology that Jesus uses when he rebukes and silences demons. So this is as much a spiritual battle as it is a weather crisis. And then you add the disciples' fear, even more of a spiritual battle, and then what awaits him when he lands at the other side, which if you read uh, the passage after this, it's spiritual warfare, right? And so Jesus doesn't merely quiet the wind, he rebukes the wind, and this all gives us a sense that, that Satan has a hand somehow in this storm. He's talking to it like it's an attack by evil. And then lastly, what we see is God's response uh, and it's confronting, all right? So God's response is confronting. So we see this spiritual battle uh, on the high seas, okay? And what we learn is that this is a context for both the disciples to learn something about Jesus the Messiah, learn something about life, it's a parable for life, learn something about spiritual battle, all right? Um, it talks about how the context of the storm uh, brings about belief. And in the scripture, this is a theme that we see, and I included in your downloaded notes uh, a passage from Psalm 27. It says this, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I had would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And what I want us to see in that passage is that a situation that produces despair or disorientation or confusion is actually the context for faith and belief to get called out, right? So life is going to dish up storms of life, all right? God's in the boat, God's allowing it to happen. God usually allows the situation to call out our faith, right? Sometimes he can intervene right on the front side of it, but many times he allows the process of faith to be called out by the circumstances that he allows in our life, and then we battle. We're in a spiritual battle. Satan wants to use the circumstances to bring about fear and more confusion and disappointment. God's calling out faith, right? Satan wants to use the circumstances as a stumbling block 
Jesus wants to use the circumstances as a stepping stone to greater faith, right? And God can change the circumstance, or he can change us, or he can change both. And that's the mystery of walking with God, that he is good, he loves us, he sees, and he has a plan to grow us up and mature us in our relationship with him. So I love that passage from the psalmist where he's saying, hey, I would have despaired unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So there will be moments of despair, but those moments of despair call out belief, right? The high seas call out courage and the exhortation of scripture is, hey, be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord, all right? Some of you really needed to hear that, all right? You're in it, God's not changing it right now, but you need to wait for the Lord, all right? So there's our foundation for high seas, no way around, but through. God puts us into life processes that involved unwinnable situation, unfixable problems, right? Unchangeable circumstances from our perspective, right? In order to call out our belief. So let's now look at Jesus's response to the disciples and let's see what this situation is really all about because as we noted already, God's response is confronting, all right? So let's go now to the next section where I have the headline, Little Boat, Big Storm, Bigger God, all right? So let's say first out of the box what it's not about. It's not about our fear of the storm, all right? Small boat, big storm produces fear, all right? Just watch that YouTube video. Ships in storms, all right? Now, I put a verse from Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, to just kind of put this into context. It says this, and it's Adam talking. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Before the fall, there was no fear. All right? It's God. It's man. It's a great environment. There is no fear. But man chooses to go his own independent way. He listens to a lie, believes a lie in the garden, and he behaves out of his belief in that lie told to him by Satan, and we have the fall. Post-fall, fear and brokenness and disease enters the human experience. It enters human relationships. Fear becomes a factor after the fall. So it's not about the fear, right? That's a part of living on an unredeemed planet in an unredeemed state. Um, so it's not about the fear of the storm. If you're in a storm, it's natural. If something's outside your control, um, to have, a, have some worry and concern and some fear. Now, that's what it's not about, okay? Let's be clear, all right? Now let's look about what it is about. It's about what we do with our fear, where we take it, okay? Again, let's just look at the facts. God's in the boat, all right? God's allowing the storm, God's present. And when that is true, you know, you're, you can take your fear in that direction 
or you can focus on what's happening, all right? So either God's with us or he's not with us. Wherever our mind and heart is in our faith, that can, that can cause us to go down the route of fear and, and let the fear dictate our responses, all right? So it's about what we do with our fear. One of the, one of the great passages of scripture, of course, is, is Psalm 23. And we love it, dudes love it, because it talks about having the presence of God in the midst of a fearful, ominous situation. Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, here we go, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, right? So when you walk through the valley, um, a valley hedges you in, okay? So you're in a valley, all right? It's, it's kind of V-shaped, right? So you're walking through a valley, the walls are high, right? It hedges you in. And when you're a traveler in biblical times, when you're walking in a valley, you're exposed. Whenever there's a narrow passage or you're in a valley, it means that someone else has the advantage on you. So if, if it's dark and you're walking through a valley and, you know, when you're a little afraid, you know, there's, there's some shadows that are cast, some fears that you might have. And it says that there's a shadow of death, okay? So it's not tangible, but something that is tangible is casting that shadow, right? So it's not tangible, but it's cast by something that is tangible, okay? So there's a possibility, all right, that, that something might happen, right? But then what I love is the pivot point in Psalm 23 where there's, yeah, there's a real possibility because I'm in a valley, I'm in a circumstance, I'm on high seas, okay? I'm hedged in. There's no way around but to walk through this thing, all right? So there's a real possibility uh, that my fears stoke, but then there's the God reality, okay? And, and this is really the pivot point and a lesson that we're gonna see in the weeks to come in the lives of God's men. Yeah, they're honest about what's going on. They're in the valley of a shadow of death, but, right, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. God sees me, God knows me, God knows what's going on, God's allowing the process. If God's not intervening, there's a purpose. But see, because he sees, because he's with me, because that means that his power is present and at work in the situation, accomplishing his purposes versus what? My relief, okay? Because those don't always go together, his purposes and my relief, right? You ever notice that? God doesn't wear your watch. He doesn't intervene all the time when you know, like a genie in the bottle. Why? Because he's got other purposes. He's working out in you, through you, and around you. And it's comforting to the writer of Psalm 23, David, that God's with him and he's gonna walk through it, okay? That's a key thing. Many of you need to hear that, right? You might be hedged by a situation, but you're gonna walk through it and you're gonna walk through it with God's presence. And at any time, God can change that circumstance. 
or God can change you through this circumstance, or God can change both. But that's up to God who loves you and who shepherds you and will get you to the destination. So it's not about the fear of the storm. It's about what we do with our fear. Third, it's about believing his word. All right, let's look at Mark 4.35 from the interaction of the disciples and Jesus. First line, he said to them, let us go to the other side. All right, so when God speaks and he says, yeah, we're going to the other side, guess what's gonna happen? They're going to the other side. And what Jesus is, is getting at as he confronts them, and I mean, he, he, they've seen him work, he's the Messiah, he's done miracles, and now he's saying, hey, let's go to the other side, right? Could the story of Jesus the Messiah possibly end in a boating accident on the Sea of Galilee? No, it's not. Jesus said, we're gonna go to the other side, all right? And so it's about believing his word. I love the, the passage from Isaiah 55, verse 11. It just talks about when God says something, whether it's a truth, a promise, a direction, or he says he's gonna do something, all right? He's gonna do it. Now, it may not be on your timing. There might be a process, right? But if he said he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. Uh, the Bible says this in Isaiah 55, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I send it. So Jesus says, we're going to the other side, all right? That's gonna be accomplished, and that's gonna be a successful navigation of the sea, right? No way around but through, but they're gonna get there, and they're gonna land and get out and do other things on the other side of getting there. But the disciples, they kinda, they didn't believe that anymore in the middle. And this is a, this is a solid word for many of us today, right? God makes promises, right? God speaks promises. God's gonna fulfill every promise that he makes to you. Will he perform his promises based on your watch? Eh, probably not. Why? Because he's more concerned with your character and your faith than your comfort. Clearly, this is true here. He was gonna accomplish what he said he was gonna do, but there was a little process that God wanted to execute before they landed on the other side. And it was gonna be in, it was gonna involve a little spiritual battle that's, that's in the context of a weather crisis, you know, where we see, you know, he's rebuking forces, you know, at bay. So it's not about the fear of the storm. It is about where we take our fear and it is about believing his word. Fourth, it's about accusing God of not caring. So you see, where Jesus, a lot of Jesus' energy comes from, you know, he's in the boat, he allows the storm, he's present, right? And then they, the Bible says, they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing, right? And they make the same mistake that you and I, I'm sure, have made, where we equate God's inaction with God not caring. Okay, 
It just means God's got a process. It means that God isn't operating on our relief and comfort watch, all right? That he's accomplishing things in us and through us and around us. And it's all in the context of his sovereignty and his love, which we may not understand in the moment, but we know who he is, right? We know Jesus is the Messiah. We know he's with us. We know he's in the boat, right? And we know because of the gospel, the cross, that even when things don't make sense to us, just like the cross didn't make any sense to Jesus's friends while it was happening, God was present, God was working, God was redeeming the situation, God was accomplishing his purposes. Some of you needed to hear that right now, a straight word from the Holy Spirit. God is present, God is working, God is accomplishing his purposes, it may not make sense to you, it makes perfect sense to him. Your boat ain't gonna sink. You keep trusting, be strong, take courage, wait on the Lord. He cares for you, all right? Now, we read in the Gospels, in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, that we are encouraged to, you know, let's consider God here. It says this, consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable you are than the birds, right? And so Jesus, when he is talking about us and the Father, there is this how much more emphasis, right? How much more does God love you than the birds, all right? You being human, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does God wanna give good gifts, right? To his children, right? So it's from the devil when you're in a, a circumstance and God's, God's at work, God's accomplishing things, God's doing things that you can't see, you may not even understand. His timing isn't your timing, things don't appear to him the same way they appear to you, because he's God, and he knows what he's doing, but Satan will say, hey, God doesn't care about you. I mean, that prayer stuff, you know, He's not moving, things aren't changing, same situation as yesterday, this isn't resolving, right? And Satan wants to get us to believe that God's uh, non-intervention, right, or God not bringing relief is synonymous with God not caring. Listen, this is really important, lean in. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, God didn't intervene. Why? Because God was saving you and me in the process. Just let the paint dry on that. Wow, it's hitting me right now, just even as I say it. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, Jesus says in his humanity. In the garden he said, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. And so you've got Jesus' humanity and Jesus' divinity coming together for a kingdom moment for us, you know. So it's not because God doesn't care, right? And don't believe that lie, reject that lie. God loves you, right? That's why we have the most famous promise uh, for the high seas, which is Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. For them that are called according to what? 
his purpose. Let's say that together. His purpose. That's right. So God's love is over our lives. Because he's God, he can use all things, right, and work and shape them together for our good because we're called according to his purpose. So were the disciples. The how much more of God's love was in operation, all right? And God was in the boat. God wants to tell us, hey, listen, it's not because I don't care. It's because I'm doing something greater. And it's also rooted in my love. And it may not feel like it to you. It may even feel painful. But trust me, you know, I'm the master at transforming crucifixions into resurrections because of my higher purpose and love for you. So it's not about the fear of the storm. It is about what we do with our fear. It is about believing his word. It is, right, about, hey, don't accuse God of not caring. Next, it's about forgetting the big picture, right? And I have a passage of scripture there from later on in Mark where we know that the disciples before this boat thing knew Jesus was the Messiah and did miracles and you know, and that's confessed later on too, right? And I wanna read from Mark 8, 29. It's kind of Jesus asking Peter, like, who do you say that I am? And so Jesus says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, right? And Jesus really lays it on thick and says, hey, that's from, you, you got that. The, the Spirit of God's revealed that to you. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. Your own natural thinking hasn't revealed that to you. It's your faith and the Spirit of God. That's revealed that to you. I am the Messiah, right? And so in this circumstance, right, and we alluded to it, right, um, that Jesus said he was going to make it to the other side. He's the Messiah. The Messiah, right, had to save his people, right? And the disciples in this circumstance sort of lost sight of that, got their eyes on the circumstance. Uh, they lost sight of God's overarching tale of, hey, Messiah is going to save his people from their sins. Messiah is going to set up and rule and reign. Messiah, okay, that's the big picture. Creation, fall, redemption, glory. All right, there's the big picture of scripture and uh, of God's work with us. Creation, fall, redemption, glory, right? That's, that's what happened. There's the age we're in now, all right? Redemption now, and then there's a future glory that's, that's coming. So they forgot the, the big picture. Lastly, it's about your view of God, all right? Look at what the guys say in Mark 4, 41. They're looking at each other like, who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him, right? The reality is hitting them, okay? Now, and this is a part of the purpose, right? They get in the boat, the storm hits, and now they see God in action, the creator commanding his creation. So who is this? It's the creator, because only the creator has command over creation, right? Now, 
I don't know what circumstance you're in, but I'm going to tell you this. Your creator, right, and you're his creation. The wind and the waves of the high seas you might find yourself in, they know his name. The wind and the waves, they know his name. They know the name of their creator. God, with a word, creates. He calls into being things which do not exist. He commands his creation, and with a word that comes from his mouth, he can speak into your situation. That is who you serve, right? In Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9, it kind of summarizes our whole part one of high seas. Let's read it together. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You still them. So this is a prophetic passage from the Old Testament that was in circulation at the time of Jesus. The psalmist writes exactly what happens on that high seas moment with, in that high seas moment with Jesus and his men. He's the Lord God Almighty. He is faithful. He rules over the surging sea. And when its waves mount up, you still them. Wow. Some of you needed to hear that. Some of you need to write that on a post-it note and stick it on your mirror and read that every day. Declare that. Declare the Lord's ability, the Lord's capacity, but also declare the Lord's faithfulness and his timing and surrender to that. Now, as we wrap up session one, what's Jesus saying? to us, all right? Write this down. If I'm in the boat, write this down. The boat cannot go down, right? The boat cannot go down. Did it look like the boat was going down? Yes, but Jesus is in the boat. Boat cannot go down, right? God's in the business of redeeming situations that look bleak. Now, if you're a believer, there's a process there. Are you being tested? Are you in a trial? Are you in a delay? Are you in a difficulty? All of us have some form of that probably going on right now. What's God up to? What's he want us to know? Boat can't go down. This isn't going to sink you. Trust me. I understand the fear. Just don't go to the wrong place with your fear. Believe my word that I am mighty that I am faithful, that I rule over the surging sea of your circumstance. When the waves are mounting up, I still them. Call on God to do that, right? And I have a couple passages to close out, and they just go to this idea of Jesus's authority and his identity as God, right? Jesus says audacious stuff. Why? Because he's God. Only God could say it. Right? Look at this passage from John chapter 2. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, right? and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? Listen to how he finishes. But the temple he had spoken of was his body, right? I mean, 
so audacious, right? But boom, only God can say that, right? Boat can't go down. Yeah, you can destroy me, but I ain't going down. I mean, this is, you can't keep Jesus down, right? Boat can't go down, Jesus can't go down. Jesus in the boat with you? Yeah, I can't go down, say that. I can't go down. Now, could circumstances lead to a conclusion where something different could happen and things didn't work out the way you planned? 100%. Yeah, but the boat ain't going down. God's purpose prevails. That's why the boat's not going down. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So your purpose in the situation might not work out, but God's purpose is gonna prevail. Boat cannot go down if you're called according to God's purpose. Look at what it says here in Isaiah 54, and this, this is how we're gonna wrap up. It says, no weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. You see, when God is in the boat, boat can't go down. God's purpose will prevail, it will get worked out, right? It might not resolve the situation the way you intended, but God's, got, God's up to something. And we need to say, okay, God's up to something. I don't know what it is, but that didn't go the way I thought it would go, but he's up to something. And it's that up to something, something, <laughs> kind of a funny way of saying it, but that you want. You want God's will. You stay after God's will. You trust God, right? Sure, we're gonna be afraid. We're gonna be a little disoriented. We're gonna be a little confused. It may take days. It may take weeks. It may take months. But we're gonna hold on to our faith, right? Because God makes promises. God is true to his word. Even if you can't see it, haven't seen it, can't get yourself to see it, doesn't matter. He sees it, right? And you're gonna hold on to your faith and you are gonna do what the Bible calls a sacrifice of praise. Even when you can't see his goodness the way you wanna see it, you affirm his goodness because his love is at work. How do we know? Because of the gospel. Because when it didn't make sense, it made sense to God. When Jesus' blood flowed and an innocent man was dying on the cross. Didn't make sense to people, but it made sense to God. God was present, God's plan was going forward, and his powerful hand was gonna turn that crucifixion into a resurrection. That's what he wants you to hear, let's pray. Father, thank you that when life is upside down and our little boat gets caught in big waves, we have a bigger God. Thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than any high sea circumstance that we find ourselves in. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're in the boat. Lord, we confess that in our humanity, we worry, we're concerned, even a bit afraid. But Lord, we're not taking that fear to the wrong place. Lord, we're gonna turn to you. This is the context of trust. Lord, our circumstance is calling out our belief, and so we are going to confess your promise. We are going to confess who you are. You are the Lord God Almighty. You are faithful. You surround us. 
You rule over the surging sea. You're gonna rule over the surging seas in our lives. And when the waves get high, you will choose at your time to still them. So Lord, I pray for every man who's facing a huge face, a huge tidal wave of circumstance. God, right now, I declare you are the Lord God Almighty over that man. And so whether he has to, to just kind of brace himself and hold on to something and get up the face of that wave and, and go down the slope of the backside and face another one, God, I pray your strength. I pray that he would wait on you right now. I pray that he would go find a promise and declare your promise, declare who you are, declare your purpose being worked out and offer a sacrifice of praise. In Jesus' name we pray and God's men said, Amen. That's part one. Make sure you invite a friend to watch part two with you and we'll see you next week.